This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 35. Cloudy tonight, slight chance of light snow, low around 29. Mostly cloudy Wednesday, chance of light snow, high near 34. A large house in downtown Binghamton was damaged in an early morning fire. The blaze in the two-and-a-half-story wood frame structure at 213 Court Street was reported shortly before 5 a.m. Monday. Flames were observed on the second floor of the building when firefighters arrived at the scene. Four people reportedly were in the building at the time of the fire. Three of them required medical attention. One person sustained burns to his face. A person familiar with the matter said the man who was burned initially was able to safely get out of the house. He was injured after he went back into the building. Firefighters in the scene reported he then refused to leave. The main body of the fire was knocked down after 10 minutes. The blaze was declared under control in about 10 minutes later. Damage from the blaze appeared confined primarily to the rear portion of the building's second floor. Binghamton Fire Department officials were unavailable to comment on the cause of the fire Monday afternoon. Initial reports indicated the blaze was linked to careless smoking. The large structure damaged by the fire once served as a rooming house known as the Lane Tourist Home. Motorists using a city-owned garage in downtown Binghamton have been parking in the dark for more than a week. The lights on a portion of the below-ground level of the State Street parking ramp have been out for several days. About 50 parking spaces are located in the area that has been without lighting for the past week. The darkened area remains open for vehicles and many cars continue to park in the unlighted direction and section. It's not known what caused the lights to fail in the parking garage. A person familiar with the situation said an electrician has been called to assess the problem and to start making repairs. There was no immediate response to an inquiry to the Binghamton mayor's office for information. No signs addressing the issue at the parking ramp. Some garage users have expressed frustration at the ongoing outage and the lack of information about when it will be rectified. The State Street's facility has undergone repair work in recent years. The 12-level structure has been without working elevators for a couple of decades. In 2016, then-Mayor Richard David said the city planned to install new elevators at the garage, but that never happened because of structural problems that would have made the proposed project very difficult or impossible to accomplish. Pella Poultry Corp. of Swan Lake, New York, in Sullivan County, a provider of ready-to-eat beef and poultry products, has issued a recall due to potential listeria contamination. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food Safety and Inspection Service announced the recall of approximately 708 pounds of food, urging consumers to check their refrigerators and freezers for any of the affected products. This recall is especially important as listeria can cause severe illness or even death in individuals with weakened immune systems. The recalled ready-to-eat beef and poultry products were distributed nationwide and were packaged under the Pella Poultry Corporation brand. The specific products involved in the recall include various chicken, turkey, and beef products such as deli meats, salads, wraps, and sandwiches. 
Consumers who purchase the affected products are encouraged to check their labels for the establishment number P-44197 or established 44197 inside the USDA mark of inspection. The FSIS advises consumers to either dispose of the products or return them to the place of purchase for a refund. It's important to follow these instructions to prevent any potential health risks associated with listeria contamination. The College of St. Rose in Albany will close in May of 2024 after years of financial struggles. Officials at the century-old Roman Catholic College announced the decision to close on Friday. Board of Trustees Chair Jeffrey D. Stone said the board determined that the college does not have the financial resources to operate for the 2024-2025 academic year. Officials say the college will help students either graduate in May or continue their studies elsewhere. The College of St. Rose was founded in 1920 by the Sisters of St. Joseph's as a woman's college. It became fully coeducational in 1969. Philadelphia police say a man who had tried to steal merchandise from a department store returned 15 minutes later and stabbed two security guards, killing one and injuring the other. The attack at the Macy store occurred shortly after 11 a.m. Monday. Police say the store security guards saw the man attempting to steal some hats and took back the merchandise. Police say when the man returned, he stabbed a 30-year-old male guard in the neck and a 23-year-old guard in the face and arm and when he tried to help his colleague. The stabbing suspect fled the store after the attack but was later captured at a train station in the city. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Golf Hunters this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. Live and local. 607-772-1290. That's the number. The question today is, how is your mail delivery? That is the question. Please let us know. This is a live research project. How is your mail service wherever you are whether you're in the Binghamton district or any other district in the USA today I want to know how is your mail service are you receiving your mail on a timely basis or is your mail being delivered sporadically or have you been completely cut off from the Postal Service? We want to know. This is an important project, and the more people who participate, the better the picture will emerge. We want a clear picture of how your mail service is. This is a survey not being conducted by anyone else, just me. 
Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello, Bob. My, my first name is John, and I live here in Binghamton, New York. John, how is your mail service? Uh, I, I, I guess it's all right. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've got an iron man of a, a regular mailman. The substitutes seem friendly. Uh, is your mail being delivered on a regular basis? Do you receive mail every day that you would expect to receive mail? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. I'll put you down as a satisfied customer of the U.S. Postal Service. It's, uh, I, won't, I won't keep track of names for the survey. I'll just say a guy on Binghamton's west side is happy. I'll put H for happy. All right. Um, what's on your mind? Uh, I am three New York. Uh, yeah. How are they hours. doing? Have they started churning out uh, batteries by the thousands? Uh, no. Uh, the fat lady has sung. Uh, the fat lady being uh, the creditor uh, that has the hundred million dollar exposure. Uh, this out of the Herald Sun newspaper in Australia. Uh, the headline is Magnus Energy Technologies Lose Control of Key Battery Gigafactory. Uh, there's another newspaper in Australia that is also covering it, and you can go to the Magnus Energy website. There's a November uh, 30th release that came out on December 1st. So it's all over for the battery gigafactory. As I said on your show, there's an old saying, all assets revert to the creditors. So that is what it is, Bob, and it is time <clears throat> for some reflection. Uh, and I know that you've let me uh, <clears throat> talk about this, but I think the television outlets here that did nothing, no matter what would happen, over at IM3, no matter how many promises were delayed, had no curiosity even to look into the court records here locally. Uh, I think they owe their viewers uh, an apology. I think they own, uh, owe, as license holders, uh, an apology. They, they, they didn't report one thing. They, they, their, their coverage was predetermined by the university. I know a lot of them want to go up there maybe at the at the uh, end of their broadcast career. Well, but this Yeah, absolutely. That's that's clearly a um a career path now. Most most journalists who can't afford to learn or to uh, live on the uh meager salaries that are paid journalists will ultimately uh, probably wind up in a position at Binghamton University or what? something similar. They don't have to, look, they don't have to spend 10 minutes on the Internet to come up with a story, uh, and they haven't, and they haven't. And the university owes us an apology. It was, look, it was Harvey Stanger in 2017 pointed to the video of Terry Kane saying that this was Harvey Stanger's plan for the university for them to go in <clears throat> with economic development. Uh, projects and the first one was uh, CV4 or whatever it's called. So look, uh, apparently, I'm, if I'm reading these stories right, 
Atlas also has control over IM3 and, and C, CV4. So it's not just a creditor versus Magnus. Uh, they have the whole shooting match right now. So, uh, you know, uh, to my fellow uh, reporters in this town, I say to you, how can you ignore? Uh, you've built this thing up. You have built it up to unbelievable proportions. To well, I just drove by there this morning. Everything looks fine, John. Nothing looks different this morning than it did yesterday morning. I drove by, and everything looks fine. I, I don't see anybody, any creditors coming in to take over the the uh, IM3 New York site. Well, I was just the, over there. Everything, I mean, I wasn't inside. They won't let me inside, but from the outside, it looked looked like it does any other morning. Well, I'm looking at the emails from the Axis lawsuit against IM3 that I guess went into uh, somewhat of remission. Uh, maybe they were hoping for the best. I, they have, I assume, some liens on the equipment there. But uh, those emails say, you know, it's three or five weeks of cash left. Uh, they were dated at the end of September. So well, I am looking know. at at the thing, as you said, the December 1st dated uh, release on the Magnus website, IM3 New York Credit Facility, and yeah, it doesn't, I'm no expert, I'm just saying it doesn't look good based on that brief news release, it doesn't, doesn't say what's going to happen now. What, so what do you think is going to happen with that site in Endicott? Are they just going to, somebody going to come over there um, one of these days and just padlock the place and then they'll auction off whatever's in there or what 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 process would you envision if it's really as bad as as you have indicated based on the reports that you've read what what would be the the next steps or should they contact Elon Musk to see if he wants to uh, invest in a future gigafactory that could augment his uh, his Tesla business and other related businesses. He seems to be bullish well, when it I, comes to lithium-ion batteries. I think he's interested in batteries that work, and there's eight big, huge, multinational companies that are involved in making batteries, and IM3 New York is not one of them. It's a chemical... But, but somebody... I can't remember who. I don't know that he actually gave his name. Somebody online claimed that they now have figured out the problem. That they, um, because there was apparently some sort of issue with the batteries, but somebody online, whose name I don't think was disclosed, said, oh yeah, there were developmental difficulties, but they tweaked the process, and now they claim that they, whatever issues they were having with this emerging technology that is supposed to save Endicott and potentially the southern tier, uh, it's been fixed, and now now everything should be fine. Is is there any reason to believe that they actually did make some progress with the technology? Well, I went on that battery tour, and all I can say is it was stated by IM officials that they didn't have enough batteries in the field, and they can't tell whether they're going to perform until they get a sufficient number of batteries in the field. Now, uh, that's not a that's not a real business. That's a, that's a research uh, operation. Uh, so that's what I heard. 
But you asked me what I think the future is, and I think the future goes two ways. Uh, I mentioned Stanley Whittingham's resignation from Magnus in July, and we're going over to a uh, company called Microvast, which is a publicly traded company uh, who, who operates gigafactories. They they didn't take an option or they closed one facility already. But uh, him being on the board of this uh, publicly traded company would indicate to me that that might be a possible successor. But the fact of the matter is, what are you going to do about the $100 million that's owed to Atlas uh, Atlas, uh, and they have deep, deep connections all over the place, not just in in batteries. Yeah. I would well, you know, I I feel in some ways, John, and I, I think maybe you will appreciate this, and some people of a certain age will appreciate this, when it comes to this project in particular, but so many other economic development projects that have occurred over the years here in the Valley of Opportunity, I, I kind of feel like Charlie Brown, and, and here we go. Lucy, with her football, has, has once again, despite all the assurances, pulled away the football, and I'm, I'm here, left just feeling like I've fallen on the ground again and, and, and have been misled with all the promises of thousands of jobs and just a, a revitalization of Endicott and the entire Valley of Opportunity. I'm looking at a newspaper story from almost exactly three years ago, and it says, Endicott Battery Factory on track. Listen to this. This is November 20th, 2020, on the front page of the Present Sun Bulletin when they had a, a business reporter, Jeff Blatsky. This is how it looked at that time. While acknowledging the ramp-up for his lithium-ion battery factory in Endicott has taken far longer than expected... Remember, this is three years ago, in part due to the difficulty of obtaining financing during the grip of a pandemic. The project's chief said the effort is on track to begin production in 2022 with 150 workers. That was the projection made on the front page of the newspaper, Jeff Platsky's article from three years ago. And Shaley Shupretti said, we have reached the last mile in establishing an industrial cluster. Yeah. And that was the story, November 20th, 2020, on the front page of the Present Sun Bulletin. Well, there are, uh, there are, uh, th th this was madness. And it really, <clears throat> really went when Stanley Whittingham uh, won the Nobel Prize. <clears throat> that was uh, really the uh, uh, high rev of this thing. And people just, these sycophants, just uh, nobody laid out a contrary case, even though it was obvious. But to answer your question, since 1980 or so, since Savin, uh, most of these projects that were announced, uh, subsidized, uh, brought in or didn't come in, most of them didn't pan out. I would say 70 to 80 percent. And those that did pan out for a time uh, either went bankrupt or or were dismembered. Well, name so, one, John. You've got a better memory than I do. Name one project, one major economic development project that was announced in Broome or Tioga counties since 
people say since 1973, over the last half century, one major economic development project where 100 or more jobs were expected to be created. Name one that actually panned out. Uh, Which one is that? I mean, seriously, I don't know that there is one. I, I, None come I to mind, but it will, that'll be today's contest. Scrap. Well, we could, you know, we can multitask. We can also talk about the Postal Service and how people like their mail delivery. But also, another challenge today for listeners is identify the economic development projects that have been announced in Broome and Tioga counties since 1973. Over the last 50 years, name all the economic development projects that met or exceeded the projected number of jobs that were promised. Well, ironically, uh, there are a few that the government didn't have anything to do with that just came. Uh, one can think of Emerson Electric. They, they just uh, came in and, and, and put that thing in. They had no government support whatsoever. Uh, they were looking for a site and for some reason chose the Charles Street Business Park. And there was never any accommodation or tax break or anything uh, for that. Well, I uh, thought they got some breaks. I thought I thought the state... Let me look. Let's see. Um, now, remember, that project... Now, here's another story that pops up from Jeff Platsky. This is from 2018. I'm looking. I, I believe that either the IDA or the Binghamton Local Development Corporation had may have had something to do with the Emerson project. Now, I... I'll have to look further because, um, yeah. but my recollection is, well, certainly with the development of the site, remember, you know who, let me double check. I think, wasn't it Andrew Cuomo who showed up with Matt Ryan back when they were still buddies to announce the projects in the first word? So if, if I'm not mistaken, because that was another front page story, I, now I have to look it up, but I, I believe... I believe that Cuomo was there with Matt Ryan on that fateful day when they announced the redevelopment project. So, you know, maybe Emerson didn't receive lots of stuff. I'm, hold on, I'm looking this up. Oh, you know, I just wish people would tell the truth. Oh, here it, I think I found it. Hold on. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, well, I thought I found it, but I, I do believe that, um, let's see, this goes back to 2010. And we're talking about if we ever fill up Charles Street Business Park, someone might want to put in a little restaurant. That was the final sentence. That was from Matt Ryan, by the way. Uh, <laughs> in January 2010, that's the final sentence in the press story. If we ever when, fill up Charles Street Business Park, someone might want to put in a nice little restaurant. Well, that was kind of interesting. That was said almost 14 years ago, and we saw, you know, the Charles Street Business Park didn't exactly fill up the way the way they said it was going to. But I still yeah. seem to recall, and I, I can't find it instantly, but I, I thought I thought that uh, our friend Andrew Cuomo was there. Oh, yeah, city what? officials pointed to redevelopment of the former Anatec site into the Charles Street Business Park. And 
That goes back to 2009. And they were talking big things about how that was going to be not only the savior of the first ward, but the savior of Binghamton. All sorts well, of high-tech businesses would be uh, racing, racing. Well, the, 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 uh, the future, remember, that was 2009. So companies like Tesla and SpaceX and um, oh, a few of the other brilliant companies that were going to emerge over the next few years would be uh, racing to see who could get entrenched first at the Charles Street Business Park. And it turns out it was a disappointment. Well, you know what my, my suggestion was back then, and it's on the public record, uh, that, they should, uh, that they should have built uh, freestanding homes with large garages that would serve as uh, uh, incubator uh, headquarters for home-based entrepreneurs, giving them a place to live and a place to operate out of and see uh, what uh, could – they would have homes – in businesses there, and they would see uh, what kind of bootstrap bootstrappers we have in the area. But you asked me, I gave you one possible fate but, for this. But that, that, the more I think about it, even if it was true, it didn't last long. Emerson Network Power was there less than a decade before they shut the dump. I mean, shut the place down, and then moved well, all their Binghamton operations to some other state. Well, that's because. We didn't make hay while the sun shined. You know. You're uh, saying it's our fault that Emerson sure. Network Power didn't stay in Binghamton? Sure, because you, you, with one Fortune 500 company, you should be able to attract two or three or four more. And uh, uh, this, is, this is the schizophrenia here. You know, uh, we were programmed to think, well, after, you know, people were saying after IBM and after Singer and after all these companies, uh, we had to focus on small business. Then they changed to, well, we've got to focus on new, unproven, riskier enterprises. You know, <laughs> uh, we, we, it, it, look, all I want to say is before I forget what your question was, <laughs> is how I see this thing being resolved. And I, it's so complicated, it's so convoluted that the only way it can be straightened out is through a, 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 a bankruptcy. And if that is the case, all, all the dirty laundry is going to come out. Oh, by the way, I just noticed, and I check this occasionally, probably uh, about every three or four months, they finally, after years, oh, wait, no, maybe, <laughs> I thought actually they had removed the Charles Street Business Park from the New York State Economic Development Council website since it was, it was such a flop, but now it turns out I must have been clicking on a bad link. Here, even as we speak, John, December 2023, this is the description of the Charles Street Business Park according to the New York State Economic Development Council. It doesn't say, it doesn't have a date on it, so you would still think, reading it right now, Emerson Network Power Surge Protection Global Headquarters anchors the Charles Street Business Park in Binghamton, New York. Charles Street is a 32-acre state-of-the-art urban technology park on the city's west side. There are several five- to six-acre sites available. The park is located in a federal hub zone. And then there's more to it. And it just basically lies because... Well, I mean, it has no date, but the fact is somebody just searching the interwebs and wanting to know 
If they didn't look at WNBF News coverage of the Charles Street Business Park, they would think Emerson Network Power is still there with something like 70 or 80 jobs. And that hasn't been the case for years. Oh, well, you know, it's, I'm, you know me, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just observing. I'm Bob Joseph, WNBF, WNBF.com. WNBF at 9.36. This is Bob Joseph live in living color. Mike from the First Ward, you're on the air. I just want to thank you for taking my call. Uh, we'll start out with the Postal Service. You and I had this conversation a couple of years ago where we were getting mail twice a week. They stepped up. Now I've got a young man on the road. He's a step above phenomenal. So thank you. The reason for my call is today is I'm a road warrior. I drive, drive between five and 6,000 miles on 81 and 88, there is I, just a lack of presence of the state police. Uh, the road 81 is so incredibly dangerous. I drive or an 88 too, but I'll give you an example. I drove from Buffalo yesterday down to Binghamton four hours. I didn't see a trooper on the thruway either direction or a trooper when I hit 81 south in Syracuse. I'm so sick and tired of that road being so dangerous. Uh, you hear these things about they, they go out and they blitz and they write 14,000 tickets, and then you don't see them again for three or four months. I don't know what to do, Bob, because, and it's like, uh, and it's really worse in the summer, because when Fort Drum gets out uh, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, it's like, a, it's like a stampede. I can't remember the last time I saw a trooper on 81. In the area that I cover for my job is from the Canadian border north, all the way down to the Pennsylvania border in the I-81 corridor. It's a terribly dangerous road, and I blame that on the state police because there's just no presence there. Well, I don't travel nearly as much as you do, but when I'm out traveling, I see state police every so often. I don't know that I see uh, troopers doing um, on traffic details uh, as much as say, five years ago, but it still seems that, um, you know, I see a fair number. I haven't, although now that you mentioned, I don't think, looking back since Thanksgiving, I don't think I've seen a, a trooper set up on around here, 17 or 81 since Thanksgiving. No. But I, I, don't know, I don't know why that is. But I, I do seem to recall pre-pandemic that there were, frequent traffic yeah. details where they were set up and i always say the usual places on 17 and 81 but yeah. you're right lately it doesn't seem to be as as comprehensive as it once was and i don't know why that would be i don't know maybe if you have the state police listening or i know they have a public information officer it's just incredibly dangerous i travel that uh that road from 4 30 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night in the, in the presence of the state police 
not even on road patrols or, you know, the usual spots like in Whitney Point and Cortland, you know, the places where the plows turn around. They're just not there anymore. And there's 85 now is the standard speed on that place. Yeah, that's true. I I was driving on 17 this morning. There was some guy. At first, I thought it had to be you-know-who from you-know-where, yeah. Westchester County. But it wasn't because this person was going going uh, east, and it wasn't um, a Cadillac Escalade. It was some other SUV. The guy had to have been going, um, I would say, at least 90. And see, speed alone doesn't necessarily cause a big problem but the way he was driving he was weaving in and out of fairly heavy not really heavy but moderately heavy traffic and I was waiting I was waiting to see a crash happen it didn't happen while I while he was still in sight but because of his speed he wasn't in sight for very long but the high speed combined with a constant lane changing I thought there's a recipe for disaster and we know that you know from uh, going from Endicott to Binghamton on both sides of 17, there's no place where the cops can set up, and it's just like a free-for-all. Well, to- there is, and they used to. You know, the um, that little bridge between Westover and Johnson City, between exit 69 and 70, yeah. th- there yeah. is a, a space, and I don't know that it was designed specifically for this. It may have, or else it's just a convenient space where they used to be set up on a, a fairly regular basis, and people knew it. So uh, people tended to slow down. I'm not saying everybody slowed down to 65, but a lot of people slowed down to about 70 just because... Uh, seeing a trooper posted there was was enough of a deterrent. And, you know, if you see that maybe once or twice a week, you're probably going to alter your driving habits. Now, I know some people, when this when it comes to speeding, some people are incorrigible. They just don't care. And, no. you know, they'll get a stack of tickets. And I don't know if they have some sort of... Um, you know, maybe they have a deal with the state, like uh, a volume discount. You know, if they get 10 tickets, they get 40% off or something. I don't know how they, they afford it with the regular speed fine plus the surcharges. But the way some people drive, uh, seemingly with impunity, sometimes I think they must be a member of the state legislature or, or somebody who's well-connected. Or another yep. thing, and, and I hope people don't take it the wrong way, there is something called professional courtesy that, uh, and some, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that some of the people who drive the fastest on um, 81 or 86 or 88 are getting professional courtesy, but I know some who do. I and the reason I promise is my son had a flat tire coming back from visiting some friends in Albany, and he was on on 88 around the Otigo exit. He was there an hour and 47 minutes. No troopers came by. Nobody came by to help him because hmm. his flashlight broke, and he really couldn't see. So this, uh, Saturday morning, Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, an hour and 47 minutes went by, and a trooper never came by. He called Dad, hmm. of course, and we went and got it done. But that's what prompted my phone call. Yeah, well, now that's interesting because so maybe they've changed, and and you know, and maybe maybe it's not at the troop level. Because my guess is the commander of Troop C in Sydney gets some flexibility as far as assignments. I wouldn't be surprised that this comes from 
whoever is the superintendent or acting superintendent of the state police, or even better, because of the uh, governor's or the, the the governor's office still uh, wants to be in control, even though Andrew Cuomo is long gone. I think the control freak aspect of Andrew Cuomo continues under Kathy Hochul. I mean, that includes every state agency. They can't. Yep. They can't. Now, this is just modestly. Modestly exaggerated, but they, they can barely make a cup of coffee using one of those single cup coffee makers without running it by the governor's office first. Bob, even get the public information. Get somebody from the state police and tell us why they they blitz and they make great uh, overtones. They get fourteen thousand tickets, you know, in a in a Thanksgiving holiday weekend. But then we don't see them again for the month. Of yeah, the well, maybe, but maybe they've also uh, re realign their or, or re reposition their resources they have limited resources maybe maybe some of the troopers who had been traditionally on uh, road patrol or yeah interstate patrol maybe they've been shifted over to high crime zones like endwell yeah thank you bud thank you appreciate it yeah i wouldn't be surprised that that maybe they're doing saturation patrols in some endwell neighborhoods because of the high crime I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. And the thing is, even if I ask the people with the state police, they probably don't have permission to tell me, at least on the record, what's going on. They might be able to tell me off the record what's going on. But I've had so many situations involving local government, state government, and national government over the last couple of months where people have confided in me. And, and told me background information and, and sometimes totally off the record and said, they can't find out that I told you this or else I'm in big trouble. But the fact is the people who are in charge of these various entities, that's local, state, and national entities, the people in charge have ordered virtually everybody in their organizations, not just law enforcement, but basically everybody who works for their government, not to talk to reporters at all, ever, unless it's explicitly authorized. I just had it happen again yesterday, something that never, ever has happened to me in decades. And I, for one, I'm shocked. It's 9.45. I'm Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. WNBF, all the hits, all the time. 9.49, Gary on Binghamton's West Side. Good morning. I was waiting for I can't drive 55 there, but <laughs> this, is, this is good. This is yeah, good. this is better. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the gentleman's correct. They're, the roads are very dangerous. They are dangerous because everybody is just in a hurry. And so, but let's be honest here, Bob. It's not the troopers that make the road dangerous. It's the drivers. You know, it's the drivers that just drive recklessly and uh, they just don't care about the speed limit you know because well, i know uh, i i don't blame the troopers no the troopers no. first the troopers individual new york state troopers 
they go where they're assigned. That's first of all. They can't, and, and sometimes they have, I think, some leeway. But, but for the most part, you know, their, their assignments and, and traffic assignments sometimes, um, depending, unless it's a special enforcement period, but a lot of traffic assignments or speed details will happen only if the volume of calls let up. So, and maybe this could also be a factor. A lot of the troopers here uh, in Broome and Tioga counties and surrounding counties in Troop C, I, I know they, they are responding to a lot of calls for service, whether it's uh, troopers heading on their own or sometimes backing up uh, sheriff's office or even local police agencies. So let's face it, if you're responding to... Um, a 911 call that takes priority over uh, a speed detail on 17 or 81. Yes. Hey, I'd like to make a comment though about years ago, they started putting cameras on top of these vans in work zone areas. And believe it or not, I think they started, well, the first time I ever saw it was down like Baltimore, Washington, DC area. And, you know, it said right there, photo-enforced uh, speed limits, you know, 55. And when they put those vans in there with the cameras on top, everybody slowed down. And I was on a recent road trip, and I can't remember exactly where it was, Bob, but uh, I'm going to think it was in Ohio. And they, have, they had signs out where photo-enforced speed limit. So... You know, that, that's a good solution, I think. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you, know, with, you know, Big Brother's coming well, that's, in. That is Big that. Brother. And I, I had the conversation sure. with an associate on this last night about speed cameras becoming more um, more common in New York and other states, Connecticut. And I uh, I don't like speed cameras. I don't like red light cameras. I, I think wow. Amer in America, because... You could be driving, and they could snap your picture. What defense do you have? If, if you get a ticket in the mail, and it says you went through this red light, well, red lights may be a little easier to prove, but say speeding. There's no way. There's no way. The, the thing could be off. They, they, they could say that you are going 90 when, in fact, you're going 67. And what defense do you have? Nobody's going 67. Now, I now, didn't say, no, you I didn't know. hear me. You're, just, I didn't. you're making an argument. I well, okay. and so how do you defend yourself? Gary, if you get a ticket. No, you don't. You don't. Well, and that's my point. At least if a trooper pulls you over or some other police agency, if you want to fight it, you can act, actually, if you take it to the limit, if you have the money and the time, and most people don't, you can go to court. And then uh, the police officer can testify, well, I use this certified radar device and I clocked you going 78 in a 65 zone. But, you know, it's with uh, a speed camera. I don't think you have uh, an easy defense unless you have a really expensive attorney. Warren in Sydney, you're on the air. Yes, uh, just going by what this gentleman just talked about and the previous gentleman. Uh, down, they did a uh, they did a testing started out on the Sawmill Parkway in Westchester County. Now it's on to uh, from the Hudson River 84, etc. You're going to see more and more of those speed cameras up, and you get the, the ticket right in the mail. And uh, I believe the first offense is 
it's $65, and then it goes up from there every time they catch you. They don't mark your license, but they 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 get the fee from you. All right, of course they do. But again, to my point, if if you if you believe that you were not going as fast as the ticket claims, how can you successfully defend yourself? You're not intended to. Exactly. So they they could set these things up, and sorry to say, Warren. Most of our listeners, I don't think, trust government, to be honest in all cases. I'm not saying New York State government, but what about some government down south like Florida or Tennessee? If they want money, they set their speed cameras and also send tickets out only to out-of-state drivers like people from New York or Pennsylvania so they know there's little, if any, chance they're ever going to fight it. So I, I think it's problematic, but, you know, there's probably nothing we can do about it because... The states need the money. Appreciate your call. That's what it comes down to. The state, New York and Connecticut and all states need the money. So they can't sell weed to everyone, but they can send out speed tickets to everyone. It's 955. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 35. Cloudy tonight, slight chance of light snow, low around 29. Mostly cloudy Wednesday, chance of light snow, high near 34. A large house in downtown Binghamton was damaged in an early morning fire. The blaze in the two-and-a-half-story wood frame structure at 213 Court Street was reported shortly before 5 a.m. Monday. Flames were observed on the second floor of the building when firefighters arrived at the scene. Four people reportedly were in the building at the time of the fire. Three of them required medical attention. One person sustained burns to his face. A person familiar with the matter said the man who was burned initially was able to safely get out of the house he was injured after he went back into the building. Firefighters in the scene reported he then refused to leave. The main body of the fire was knocked down after 10 minutes. The blaze was declared under control in about 10 minutes later. Damage from the blaze appeared confined primarily to the rear portion of the building's second floor. Binghamton Fire Department officials were unavailable to comment on the cause of the fire Monday afternoon. Initial reports indicated the blaze was linked to careless smoking. The large structure damaged by the fire once served as a rooming house known as the Lane Tourist Home. Motorists using a city-owned garage in downtown Binghamton have been parking in the dark for more than a week. The lights on a portion of the below-ground level of the State Street parking ramp have been out for several days. About 50 parking spaces are located in the area that has been without lighting for the past week. The darkened area remains open for vehicles and many cars continue to park in the unlighted direction and section. It's not known what caused the lights to fail in the parking garage. A person familiar with the situation said an electrician has been called to assess the problem and to start making repairs. There was no immediate response to an inquiry to the Binghamton mayor's office for information. 
No signs addressing the issue at the parking ramp. Some garage users have expressed frustration at the ongoing outage and the lack of information about when it will be rectified. The State Street's facility has undergone repair work in recent years. The 12-level structure has been without working elevators for a couple of decades. In 2016, then-Mayor Richard David said the city planned to install new elevators at the garage, but that never happened because of structural problems that would have made the proposed project very difficult or impossible to accomplish. Pella Poultry Corp. of Swan Lake, New York, in Sullivan County, a provider of ready-to-eat beef and poultry products, has issued a recall due to potential listeria contamination. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food Safety and Inspection Service announced the recall of approximately 708 pounds of food, urging consumers to check their refrigerators and freezers for any of the affected products. This recall is especially important as listeria can cause severe illness or even death in individuals with weakened immune systems. They recalled ready-to-eat beef and poultry products were distributed nationwide and were packaged under the Pella Poultry Corporation brand. The specific products involved in the recall include various chicken, turkey, and beef products such as deli meats, salads, wraps, and sandwiches. Consumers who purchase the affected products are encouraged to check their labels for the establishment number P-44197 or established 44197 inside the USDA mark of inspection. The FSIS advises consumers to either dispose of the products or return them to the place of purchase for a refund. It's important to follow these instructions to prevent any potential health risks associated with listeria contamination. The College of St. Rose in Albany will close in May of 2024 after years of financial struggles. Officials at the century-old Roman Catholic College announced the decision to close on Friday. Board of Trustees Chair Jeffrey D. Stone said the board determined that the college does not have the financial resources to operate for the 2024-2025 academic year. Officials say the college will help students either graduate in May or continue their studies elsewhere. The College of St. Rose was founded in 1920 by the Sisters of St. Joseph's as a woman's college. It became fully coeducational in 1969. Philadelphia police say a man who had tried to steal merchandise from a department store returned 15 minutes later and stabbed two security guards, killing one and injuring the other. The attack at the Macy store occurred shortly after 11 a.m. Monday. Police say the store security guards saw the man attempting to steal some hats and took back the merchandise. Police say when the man returned, he stabbed a 30-year-old male guard in the neck and a 23-year-old guard in the face and arm and when he tried to help his colleague. The stabbing suspect fled the store after the attack but was later captured at a train station in the city. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Hi, I'm Bob Joseph. I'm running the only program that matters in America. It's called Binghamton Now. If you hear of any other programs, 
they're okay, but this is, in my opinion, the only program that matters. We'll be taking phone calls coming up later this hour, just a few minutes, so hold your thoughts. In the meantime, we're joined now by Tim Gleason, Artistic Director of No Theater here in downtown Binghamton. Good morning, Tim. Morning, Bob. How are you, sir? Great. Great. The year's almost over, but I, I'm looking back on the last 11 months, and I've concluded I've, I've accomplished everything I set out to do. So anything well, that happens between now and December 31st, it's just frosting on the year. You know, it's, uh, at this point, I can, I can hold my head high and know that I've done everything that I intended to do for 2023. I, I done a personal analysis of you as well and I'm in concurring situation on this end as far as you are concerned. Yeah, My papers uh, match up with what you just said. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the confirmation. So another uh, big event coming up in downtown Binghamton in just a few days. In fact, it'll be on Saturday. Actually, very very close. Very close to the WNBF Tower, as it turns out. Amen, sir. Yes, it's the return uh, of the Celtic Christmas. No theater's a yearly fundraiser, which is uh, was ushered away by COVID, and uh, we're just making it come back to life. So we're very excited to uh, be back at Atomic Tom's on uh, State Street. Tom is a very gracious host to us through the years, and we're going back there. And... Uh, we're loading up again. We're bringing the Stoutman with us. The BC Celtic Pipes and Drums will be there. And this ridic- ridiculously bad comedy uh, group called Gleason's Groaners uh, to round out the entertainment. But the big draw for those that have the blood of the Irish in them is the uh, large keg of uh, Guinness Stout that we're topping. Uh, I see that. I'm looking here at the at the uh, list of uh, reasons to attend, and that was one of the, the things that, yeah. that just leapt out at me. Nothing nothing against the Gleason's Groaners or the Stout well, Men or the BC Celtic Pipe and Drums, but yes, somehow the, the word Guinness suddenly, suddenly made itself known, even though it's in the same font as everything else on the page. It does have a magic to it, doesn't it? And it's it's funny that the Gleason's Groaners get funnier the more Guinness you have. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Somebody actually said this program makes more sense with the more, <laughs> if if you, as they say, if you self-medicate, and by the way, I don't recommend people doing this, but I've been told those who self-medicate starting at 910, usually, usually within two hours, they, they find the program immensely uh, immensely more yeah. enjoyable, just FYI. But again, if, if you choose to do that, that yeah. consult with your um, personal physician yeah. and also probably a member of the clergy. I hear that. I hear that. I've, I've checked that box thoroughly. So I am, uh, I am giddied up for the rest of my days from the amount of uh, Guinness that I've been taking. Tell me about uh, the history of, of this event, because I see that uh, it was last held in 2019, as you mentioned, uh, prior yeah. to the COVID pandemic. This, I believe, is going to be number 14, and we'd be up to 16 or 17 if not interrupted. Um, Ron Sywick, who I think calls into your show now and again, uh, was uh, helping us out on the board level 
And he came to me with a poster that he had printed, and it had all of this uh, information on it that described this event that did not exist. And uh, it was an evening of Celtic merriment, and away we went that first year. And that's how Gleason's Cronus was born. It was on the poster. I said, what's this? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> and so, so, yes, yes, it was developed of necessity since he put it on the poster. Yeah. So oh, this is going to be on Saturday evening at seven. And again, just to clarify, it's not yeah. at the usual at the usual haunt. It's going to be at Atomic Toms on State Street. Atomic Toms. We used to do it here, and we outgrew it uh, because of its popularity. So Atomic Toms uh, fits us nicely. The Celtic pipe and drums pull in and play uh, to their heart's content and to the audiences. The food this year is uh, brought to us by another downtown fixture, Alexander's Cafe, is is our uh, major food sponsor. Um, so we're glad to have their involvement. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to have live and silent uh, auctions. Uh, we do a lot of pairings of theater tickets with restaurants everywhere from Shenango River Theater to ourselves, um, the opera. Philharmonic. So there's some lovely gifts. Uh, there's a beautiful guitar we're going to auction off live. Uh, if anyone's a guitarist, it's a thing of beauty just to stare at. Um, and uh, a two-night stay at Aquaga Lake with a boat trip involved. Uh, a trip to New York to see an off-Broadway play. Uh, and uh, transportation down and back and the tickets to the show. So we've got some nice stuff. And it's just plain old fun. Uh, and bottom line is it helps keep the lights on over here at 74 Carroll Street. So oh, we're, that's we're, good. anybody that wants to come out, you can certainly get your ticket at the door. Uh, and we'd love to have you. And uh, you People you can know, also get of, tickets online, though, if they wish. Yes, at notheater.org. And, uh, you know, we're part of downtown on purpose. You know, we, we found our spot in town. Uh, not by accident, but by by choosing it. So we're right downtown with you, sir. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad for everything we have downtown, whether it's the entertainment options, the eating options, the nightlife options, and so on. Uh, a yeah. lot of people are actually um, really, really pleased with just what's happened. Say over the last year and a half here in downtown Binghamton. Of course, the the pandemic sort of. Uh, caused everybody to uh, pause, and, and certainly things have been a bit reconfigured as we see um, less True. emphasis. You know, what I've I've noticed is there's still a lot of people who aren't showing up at five days a week in their offices. So, and that's it appears that's that's sort of a permanent change. So we're going to have sort of uh, an ongoing evolution uh, evolution of downtown Binghamton probably over the next five years or so, and I think. Probably it's going to be for the better. We see new, new projects for um, residential opportunities, and that means well, people of all yeah. ages, not just students, but um, sure. all age groups. I think eventually can be represented here in downtown Binghamton and be within walking distance, whether it's no theater or some of the great things going on on Washington Street or State Street yeah. or, or Court Street. Exactly, and uh, you know the student population. Uh, brings it's good and bad, but the numbers of bodies going up uh, make people who want to have restaurants and venues, it makes them open their eyes a little wider to the opportunities of being downtown. 
and uh, that is nothing but a beautiful thing for the city. Um, you know, you're here on purpose. You love the city. I can hear it in your voice and, and on your show. And uh, no theater. Uh, you know, we're we're down here, and we chose to be here because uh, it's part of the, you know, fabric of any good city is its culture. So that's why we're here. And again. So- the uh, Celtic Christmas, the fundraising event, is coming up Saturday evening at 7, Atomic Toms at 196 State Street here in downtown yes, Bayonne. And uh, the luck of the Irish to you, sir. And uh, if you come by, I know the secret way in. I can sneak in if you want. <laughs> Thank you. Say the word. I, I know, the, <laughs> I know the, the official knock code, so you'll, you'll know. You you'll know that Binghamton now is... On the scene. In the house. Exactly. Tim Gleason, thank you so much. Keep in touch. Thank you, Bob. I will. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. It's 1019. Live and local, Bob Joseph, here for the community. Whether it's downtown or west side, east side, north side, south side, every side, and all across the triple cities. He's already out reporting. Let's see. Oh, and... Endicott this morning. I saw something. Let's see. See, the problem is, well, it's not a problem. Let's see. There's something I, I saw in Endicott that I was shocked by. I've got, <laughs> you know how sometimes you go by a place and for years, if not decades, nothing's going on. And then you drive by and you do a double take and you say, wait. Something's going on. And so I did a U-turn, and then I'm telling you, something is actually going on there. And I think it's good news, but I can't say anything else until, hmm, until I find out more. I mean, it's not the biggest story in the world, but it's been something that I've been waiting to see, I'd say for several years, if not longer, so... Again, when you least expect it. I'm just driving around, minding my business. I think it was about 8.12 this morning. I said, well, I better better stop and find out what's happening there. So, By the way, if you have news tips, we have a news tip email address. It's called bob at wnbf.com. So if by chance you have a news tip, remember... All tipsters remain anonymous. Bob at WNBF.com. Let me know if you know something. Can't do a story on everything. Certainly can't. I would like to. But again, I have to point out, this isn't 60 Minutes. You know, 60 Minutes has a, a team. Yeah, they have the the person who appears on camera who actually asks the questions, but then they have producers, associate producers, researchers, executive producers, hangers-on. Oh, did I mention they're all highly paid? And they have all those people working for a 12-minute segment. So and sometimes people well, I sent you a news tip, but you didn't do a story. It's not that there sometimes isn't a story there. Sometimes there's a story there, but I don't have a staff to go out and do the research and do the backstory. But we still strive to report as much as possible regarding the things going on around here. 
the Binghamton area. That's that's the mission. 607-772-1290. That is the number. We'd encourage you to call in. It's Tuesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. WNBF 1025, it's Bob Joseph Live for you. Binghamton Now. This presentation is offered to you at absolutely no charge and without obligation. Weekday mornings from 9 to noon. You uh, certainly are welcome to call if that's something you think would be beneficial to you. On the other hand, if you don't think it would help matters. <laughs> you can just listen. 607-772-1290. Weather forecast from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, 35. Cloudy tonight, a slight chance of light snow, 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow. A chance of light snow in the morning, 34. Mostly cloudy Thursday. Snow showers possible. Maybe some rain and snow showers late in the day, 38. Right now, it's 35 in downtown Binghamton. That's 2 Celsius. Air quality is good, since you asked. Air quality index is 29. How is your mail service? Is it as good as ever? Is it as wonderful as the Postal Service would lead you to believe in its marketing campaign? Uh, my mail service is, is fine. There were times during the pandemic where I think understandably it was it was somewhat uneven. But I would say, oh, at least for the last year, mail service for me seems to be good. What brought this up, there was a guy. I, I happened to be at the post office today and there was a guy in... Um, I heard, I couldn't help it because you know me, I'm just standing there minding my own business, but I heard that he hadn't been getting mail in recent months. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting because we, in the past, we have heard from some of our listeners who had issues with their mail service. So I, I had a conversation with him and he did uh, confirm that he hasn't received any mail service in several weeks. So I will look into that. His, his circumstances 
appear to be unique, but it got me thinking since we hadn't brought that up uh, recently on the program. Maybe I would check with uh, some of our listeners, see what your experience has been. We haven't, I think it's been several months since we actually have received a call from people with thoughts about the um, mail service. I know at times the Postal Service had some real problems in terms of staffing. And let's face it, say if your letter carrier, if he or she is out sick, or if they're taking a few days off, uh, and then they put a substitute on the route, some stuff probably is is not going to be as good as as it normally is. I would say this. It, oh, it just occurs to me. About two weeks ago, in my mailbox, I, I received the usual mail, the usual fine mail, which usually means things like um, credit card solicitations and, of course, bills because not all of my... Uh, <laughs> All of my bills are handled online. A few I insist on doing personally so I can... It's not that I don't trust them. No, it's not that. It's just that I don't trust them. So, I mean, some some companies that I have a high level of confidence in, we can handle those online. There's certain certain companies that will remain unnamed. I'll, I'll handle those the old-fashioned way, even though it's actually more of a pain. But if you don't... If you don't trust them, well, you just don't trust them. Um, but the weird thing was a couple weeks ago, I wound up getting a something in my mailbox for someone, A, I've never heard of before, whose address I actually had to look up, even though I've lived around here all my life. It was a street. It's a real street, actually, but for some reason I, I couldn't place it, so I had to look that up. And it was for a zip code, not even close to mine. I mean, it wasn't, I would say it was probably about 15 miles away from my house. But the zip code was nothing like mine. The address was nothing at, at all remotely like mine. And the person I never heard of. So it was just like, I don't know, it's like male roulette. I mean, I... Don't get me wrong, I I did the right thing and left it in my mailbox so they could uh, take another, make another try to get it to the right location. It was just, I, I thought that was very, very strange. But, hey, on the other hand, I, well, I've done a few things in life. I've never had the opportunity to deliver mail. So, as I say, actually over at least the last year or so, my mail service has been delightful. Here's a word from Tommy in Binghamton about mail service. I am a fan of the mail service at my home and in my neighborhood, even though I miss the days when mail service was provided by a person who knew everyone in the neighborhood on a first-name basis. Yeah, that's true. You know, one thing that's helpful, though, for reporters is, and I know they're probably, like all employees everywhere, they're probably told Whatever you do, don't talk to reporters. But the good thing about people, and not just letter carriers, but other people, the good thing about people is even when they're ordered not to talk to reporters, they understand that there's actually, 
a there's actually a public service in talking to a reporter. So unless you're giving away really confidential information, things that are are supposed to be kept private, most people, whether they're working for a, the government or a private company or a charitable organization or whatever, most people, I would say more than 90%, are willing to talk with reporters because they know reporters are actually helping the community, trying to get the information out, even though the puppet masters who, are, who think they're supposed to control the world try to tell their the people below them, don't ever talk to reporters. Most people understand, actually, that talking to reporters, again, unless you give out private information, something that's truly confidential, that I understand. And you really, even though it might be helpful to a reporter, I understand why there are guidelines and restrictions in place. But for some things, even the most routine, mundane things, where your boss has told you, don't ever talk to a reporter or else I'll fire you. Well, think about that. Think long and hard about what that means. It means, for whatever reason, your boss is trying to conceal information, even if you're not doing anything wrong. So what is that about? Well, I don't want any... They, sometimes they say they don't want any miscommunication or any confusion, so we want to control all. We want to control the entire narrative. But the fact is, whether it's government or sometimes private business or charitable organizations or whatever, they don't want to release much of anything. They, they want to hold a news conference, have a big announcement. Well, we're announcing our annual drive to make the world better. But they don't want to talk about anything else they do the rest of the year. Oh, no, we're just talking today about the annual drive to make the world better. Yeah, but what about the thing you did in that neighborhood that's made life worse for that neighborhood? Can we talk about that? Oh, no, no, let's stay on topic today. You know, we can get to that later. And they never do. So. Anywho, 1035 WNBF, the art of journalism. I know. <laughs> they're trying to snuff it out. And they're doing a pretty darn good job across the USA today. 607-772-1290. Thoughts about mail service. Thoughts about the future of lithium-ion batteries. How many jobs will they end up creating in Endicott and at Binghamton University? Hey, I'd like to hear your opinion. Give us a call. This is Binghamton Now. WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com
1039 WNBF. Endicott, Chris, you're on the air. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm very good, sir. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, listen, I just wanted to give a couple of thumbs up to the post office. I know it's kind of America's pastime to criticize this organization, but honestly, when you take a look at the logistics that are involved in what they do and how quickly they can get a letter from one coast to the other and do it accurately, 99.5% of the time or whatever the number is, and then on top of that, uh, be really the largest delivery service for the largest company in the world, Amazon. I, I've been, honestly, I've changed over the last five years. I've been very impressed with the United States Postal Service in so many different ways. I'm impressed with them, too. I wish they'd get more support from the guy who's running the operation, that Postmaster General, but we haven't heard much about him lately. I'd, I'm not sure he's the best person for the job, but I also understand it would be pretty hard to find or I think it's pretty hard to fire him. So, you know, I think. Yeah, it's it's like Surgeon General in the sense that they, you know, they I don't know that they, they really don't bring that much to the table. They're not allowed to. The politicians won't let them. But one thing about the post office and this postmaster general and the previous, they're the only company on the planet that has to put and show their uh, pension plan as a charge against earnings every single year. No other company has to do that. So in other words, if they hire you, they have to project your pension, and then they have to take a charge on the books today, even though you're going to be working for the next 25 years. No other corporation has to do that, and we can't get an answer about why they do it that way. I read an article about three or four months ago, and it blew me away. I thought, yeah, if IBM or General Motors or Amazon had to record and, and take it as a charge against their earnings, they, we'd all we'd look like every company was broke. Oh, that's so true. I no, I think yeah. I think Congress ought to fix that, and maybe yeah. at some point Congress will. I don't know why why it's been allowed to exist as as long as it has, but you know, it's it's unfortunate that the Postal Service is in that highly unusual position, and and it's not fair. And by the way, although yeah. although a lot of people say, especially I, I think in conjunction. When was the last presidential election? When was that? 2020? Um, 2020. Yeah. And, and it became a political issue during that time because some people were asserting the postmaster general was taking steps to make life miserable or something for, for or make things tougher as far as mail-in votes. And so and I don't know whether any of that was true or not. I, I know that was a talking point uh, in the run-up to the election. Um, I'll just say this about whether it's the current postmaster general or anybody who's been running this operation since it became the U.S. Postal Service on July 1st, 1971, I, uh, I admire that they're willing to take on the task. It wasn't, wasn't easy 52 years ago, and certainly no. the challenges facing the Postal Service today are, are even tougher. But there's a need for Congress to, to start to take it seriously and work to support the postal service because it's something at least for the indefinite future america needs so america needs the people who are working for the postal service both those we see every day delivering our stuff whether it's um, our letters and bills or our amazon packages we need them and look amazon needs them so it's i think it's high time that congress take take it, uh, the responsibility seriously and work to to um, make things better 
They're not right. going to be able to improve everything, but they certainly could take some steps to make it easier for the Postal Service to thrive during these always changing times. Well, yeah, change the accounting system. Agreed to that. You can't privatize it. As much as I like the idea of privatizing certain things, it's part of our national security when you really get down to it. You cannot privatize the post office. Um, it does help businesses. It helps local businesses. It gets information through. And if there's an electronic meltdown, it's literally the only way we can communicate um, to everybody. So the Postal Service needs to stay analog, if you will, <laughs> and it needs, to stay, um, it needs to stay somewhat of a government agency. Absolutely. That's rare for me to say that. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not big on, on lots of services being handled by the government, but some of necessity need to be because private enterprise, yeah. you know, FedEx or UPS, they're not going to take on the awesome responsibility of delivering stuff to every, every mm -hmm. legitimate address in the United States. I mean, it's just not feasible for private businesses to do it. It's not, but the, the, the sad part is, and I'll say it, and I'll leave it at this, I won't beat it to death, but is that they're doing it and they actually are making a profit in the process. Wow, but there's some place, well, okay. Um, and by the way, I, I, I have some thoughts about FedEx and UPS too, but I won't bore you with them today, but uh, those, those well, companies. Do, though, because <laughs> well, at some like point, yeah, at some yeah. point, Maybe later this week, since this is the delivery season. I saw a story on the news last night, and they said this is the delivery season. So I, mm -hmm. of course, stopped chewing, munching on my popcorn to uh, take <laughs> notes. And I, I learned something, that, that a lot of people are sending packages during December. I saw that on the news last night. And so I thought, well, they got the scoop. I, I missed the, the entire darn story. But, you know, <laughs> congratulations. For, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I, it never occurred to me. It never occurred to me in the first week of December to go to one of those places that, that uh, sends packages and, and do a story. So maybe I'll try to be the first one next year. Yeah, you can get a jump on it next year. Catch it around Thanksgiving. Uh, no, I'll do it. I'll do it like around July fifth. You know, people will be yeah. like, Is, "Aren't you pushing the season?" It's like, well, I didn't want to get scooped this year on the all important holiday delivery story. So, anyway, right, thank you. Halloween's over by July, so you're right. You well, look at the then. stores. I mean, let's face it. There's some stores that I've seen around here that start moving in the holiday merchandise around in Independence Day because they don't want to miss a trick. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for your call. You're right. Appreciate we'll watch it. for that next year. I'll watch for that <laughs> Thank you. Sten46, this is Bob Joseph, just having some fun on the radio. That's all, that's all I want to do. And as they say, guys just like to have fun. 1046, I'm here till noon. We'll take your phone calls. Yeah, we can talk about the Postal Service. We can talk about, I guess, pretty much anything. Coming up next, though, I think I'll tell you about a serious crash. It's a serious, serious crash. Well, by the way, it's not in Broome or Tioga counties, but it is serious. And we'll talk about it coming up next. You're at WNBF, Sirius Radio for America.
Have Fun Radio for America. It's 1050, and uh, as mentioned, a serious crash is uh, being addressed now on Interstate 88. However, it's not I-88 near here. It's I-88 near Schenectady in Albany. So what it is is a truck... Stop me if you've heard this one before. A truck carrying multiple cylinders of compressed natural gas went off Interstate 88 this morning. Suddenly it's starting to sound painfully familiar. Leading to a hazmat response on Interstate 88. State police say the driver's been hospitalized with serious injuries. Um, no evacuations at this time. Police say a commercial box truck went off Interstate 88, traveled down a steep ravine. The driver was removed and taken to Albany Medical Center. Interstate 88 around Dwaynesburg is closed in both directions. So they can take care of whatever it is they take care of with all the fine compressed natural gas. So that happened at 2.52 this morning, according to state police. They said the truck exited the road and traveled down a steep ravine. Didn't he used to work for the press? Steep ravine. But no, that's somebody else. I'm thinking, not steep ravine. Who, who am I thinking of? He used to be uh, on the police beat. The box truck was carrying a lot of cylinders of delicious compressed natural gas. So the hazmat teams were called out. A safety perimeter was established. And um, so they say the driver was taken to... Albany Medical Center. Never one to miss an opportunity. Governor Kathy Hochul has put out a statement. She says, I was briefed on the truck accident on I-88 in Schenectady County and state personnel have been closely following with the response efforts to protect the health and safety of New Yorkers. While details are still emerging, the accident may lead to a leak of natural gas, so an evacuation of the area is currently underway out of an abundance of caution. Oh. So she says there is an evacuation. I have directed all relevant state agencies, including Homeland Security, DOT, DEC, to participate in the emergency response and will continue to update New Yorkers as more information is available. So the governor says there's an evacuation. Uh, state police <laughs> say no businesses or homes were evacuated. So who are you going to believe? I choose to believe the state police, but... And on the other hand, I don't want to put at risk my scheduled interview with Governor Kathy Hochul, so I'll just keep my, my thoughts to myself. <laughs> uh, according to the Thruway Authority, the ramp from westbound I-90 to exit 25A I-88 is, due, is closed due to the truck crash. Extended delays are expected. By the way, so... I'm looking back in my Wayback Machine to September 23rd, 2019, when an XNG, XNG, hauling compressed natural gas overturned on Interstate 88, I believe in the town of Shenango. I think it was Shenango Bridge. Unfortunately, a 52-year-old man who was driving the tractor trailer, he died, and I believe memory serves, I believe he was swerving to avoid a deer. And so his big truck loaded with compressed natural gas 
uh, rolled over and 80 homes in a quarter mile radius of that crash were evacuated. The residents affected by the evacuation lived in Fenton and Shenango. And uh, as you may recall, part of I-88 around the crash scene was closed for several hours. So that's what happens when a truck loaded with compressed natural gas is in a crash. It means danger. It means people could be seriously hurt. It means sometimes people need to be evacuated. It's 1054 WNBF. I'll let you know if we hear anything else about that I-88 crash involving a truck hauling compressed natural gas in the Dwaynesburg area. If I hear anything else about that, I'll be sure to pass it on. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Vic, and you got my attention. <laughs> I thought, I'm not surprised. Uh, good morning, Victor. <laughs> hey, listen, um, it's funny and ironic that that happened on I-88 because a few years ago, Joe Marabito tried to put in a gas pipeline to Albany. Uh, it was called the Leatherstocking Pipeline, and the state shut him down. Um, and on that gas truck that tipped over, I know absolutely nothing about it, but I guarantee if any of them cylinders blew, uh, like, like got punctured or broken, the gas would have shot straight up in the air and dissipated, and there would have been no problem. That's why there's no evacuation as of yet. But, um, yeah, it's a little bit more dangerous to transport fuels of any type on truck over the road or on train on a rail car. Oh, yeah, that's why I, I'm a big fan of pipelines. I, I love pipelines. I wish everything, like, say, our whether it's natural gas or petroleum products, et cetera, I wish more of that stuff could be uh, shipped around to where it's needed via pipeline as opposed to over the road. It would be much safer because, uh, like, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Bill, I can't remember his last Bill Houston, who called them and named them bomb trucks at the Port Dick anti-gas meeting. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and they, they can very well be bomb trucks. Uh, the trains. The well, so, so can, trucks. have you seen what happens if a gasoline tanker loaded with 3,000 or 5,000 gallons of product, what happens if... If in, in the rare cases where they're involved in a serious crash, look at Philadelphia, whatever happened. I can't remember what that tanker truck was hauling in Philadelphia earlier this year, but when it uh, caught on fire and burned the underside of the bridge, I mean, you see what happens with, with some of these trucks hauling hazardous materials. Hey, Vic, that's all the time we have for this segment. I appreciate your calling in. I knew you would. Hey, take care, Bob. Hey, have a great day. It's 1056. This is Bob Joseph. We're serving America with a microphone and a telephone at a big, bulky transmitter. Actually, a couple of transmitters here in Broome County, all for you. Also, streaming online, WNBF.com. This is Binghamton Now. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 35. Cloudy tonight, slight chance of light snow, low around 29. Mostly cloudy Wednesday, chance of light snow, high near 34. 
A large house in downtown Binghamton was damaged in an early morning fire. The blaze in the two-and-a-half-story wood frame structure at 213 Court Street was reported shortly before 5 a.m. Monday. Flames were observed on the second floor of the building when firefighters arrived at the scene. Four people reportedly were in the building at the time of the fire. Three of them required medical attention. One person sustained burns to his face. A person familiar with the matter said the man who was burned initially was able to safely get out of the house. He was injured after he went back into the building. Firefighters in the scene reported he then refused to leave. The main body of the fire was knocked down after 10 minutes. The blaze was declared under control in about 10 minutes later. Damage from the blaze appeared confined primarily to the rear portion of the building's second floor. Binghamton Fire Department officials were unavailable to comment on the cause of the fire Monday afternoon. Initial reports indicated the blaze was linked to careless smoking. The large structure damaged by the fire once served as a rooming house known as the Lane Tourist Home. Motorists using a city-owned garage in downtown Binghamton have been parking in the dark for more than a week. The lights in a portion of the below-ground level of the State Street parking ramp have been out for several days. About 50 parking spaces are located in the area that has been without lighting for the past week. The darkened area remains open for vehicles and many cars continue to park in the unlighted direction and section. It's not known what caused the lights to fail in the parking garage. A person familiar with the situation said an electrician has been called to assess the problem and to start making repairs. There was no immediate response to an inquiry to the Binghamton mayor's office for information. No signs addressing the issue at the parking ramp. Some garage users have expressed frustration at the ongoing outage and the lack of information about when it will be rectified. The State Street's facility has undergone repair work in recent years. The 12-level structure has been without working elevators for a couple of decades. In 2016, then-Mayor Richard David said the city planned to install new elevators at the garage, but that never happened because of structural problems that would have made the proposed project very difficult or impossible to accomplish. Pella Poultry Corp. of Swan Lake, New York, in Sullivan County, a provider of ready-to-eat beef and poultry products, has issued a recall due to potential listeria contamination. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food Safety and Inspection Service announced the recall of approximately 708 pounds of food, urging consumers to check their refrigerators and freezers for any of the affected products. This recall is especially important as listeria can cause severe illness or even death in individuals with weakened immune systems. The recalled ready-to-eat beef and poultry products were distributed nationwide and were packaged under the Pella Poultry Corporation brand. The specific products involved in the recall include various chicken, turkey, and beef products such as deli meats, salads, wraps, and sandwiches. Consumers who purchase the affected products are encouraged to check their labels for the establishment number P-44197 or established 44197 inside the USDA mark of inspection. The FSIS advises consumers to either dispose of the products or return them to the place of purchase for a refund. It's important to follow these instructions to prevent any potential health risks associated with listeria contamination.
The College of St. Rose in Albany will close in May of 2024 after years of financial struggles. Officials at the century-old Roman Catholic College announced the decision to close on Friday. Board of Trustees Chair Jeffrey D. Stone said the board determined that the college does not have the financial resources to operate for the 2024-2025 academic year. Officials say the college will help students either graduate in May or continue their studies elsewhere. The College of St. Rose was founded in 1920 by the Sisters of St. Joseph's as a woman's college. It became fully coeducational in 1969. Philadelphia police say a man who had tried to steal merchandise from a department store returned 15 minutes later and stabbed two security guards, killing one and injuring the other. The attack at the Macy store occurred shortly after 11 a.m. Monday. Police say the store security guard saw the man attempting to steal some hats and took back the merchandise. Police say when the man returned, he stabbed a 30-year-old male guard in the neck and a 23-year-old guard in the face and arm and when he tried to help his colleague. The stabbing suspect fled the store after the attack but was later captured at a train station in the city. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. It's Tuesday morning, and this is Binghamton Now. In a few minutes, we'll be taking more of your phone calls. So if you have thoughts about the Postal Service or anything else, I guess, you can call in and express your happy thoughts. All we want is happy thoughts today on WNBF. On this Tuesday morning, we are joined by Congressman Mark Molinaro. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I, I only want happy thoughts, too, but, uh, I you know, we don't always get what we want. No, no. Yeah. Even in um, holiday time of year, you have to take the um, good with the bad. That's the reality. We, uh, Indeed. We can enjoy the holiday season and also uh, deal with real issues facing the world. Where are you this morning? Are you at the Capitol? Yeah, we're in session uh, this week in uh, in Washington, and while I'd, I'd uh, obviously always rather uh, be in uh, uh, in the district in upstate New York, uh, we have uh, we have some work to do. Well, that is true. Although uh, one bit of work was taken care of, um, uh, apparently, uh, unless unless he still has his uh, key card. Um, George Santos has has his fifteen minutes of shame ended yet, or is he? Uh, it looks like he still wants to be. Uh, in the public eye, even though he was, um, as they say, kicked out by his colleagues. 
Yeah, so we did uh, vote to uh, expel him last week, and, and let me say a, a bipartisan. I, you know, I was among the uh, the very first to say he should resign, and he should have resigned. Uh, a bipartisan ethics uh, committee conducted uh, their investigation after multiple criminal indictments, uh, with a conclusive and comprehensive report that that simply made clear one uh, that uh, he uh, he violated uh, the law and and the processes and the rules of the House. And, and keep that in mind, right? There are rules of the House of Representatives, and the only entity that can govern govern those and enforce those rules is us. Uh, he violated uh, criminal law. Uh, he, of course, uh, defrauded voters in his district uh, the right to vote uh, for the candidate they thought they were voting for because he fabricated his entire life. And so um, he is no longer a member of Congress, uh, rightfully so. Uh, I don't know about his 15 minutes, but I can only tell you that uh, there is an ongoing uh, criminal prosecution that will come to a head next September, uh, and uh, I'd uh, strongly encourage uh, he focuses attention there. Uh, but uh, now the the voters of downstate New York on, on Long Island will have the opportunity to elect an honest voice for themselves, uh, and uh, uh, we look forward to moving past uh, what is a very unfortunate chapter. Uh, and and quite frankly, uh, we, we we should establish uh, and and should uphold basic standards of uh, of conduct and, and and certainly the rules of of the house. Of course, the, one of the key things that Mr. Santos said frequently was this could be setting a dangerous precedent where somebody can be expelled from the House even though they haven't been convicted of any criminal conduct. Yeah, and it's important to note that. So, you know, um, uh, if the founders and the framers of the Constitution expected that the only time we would uh, enforce the rules of the House of Representatives is if there's a criminal conviction, they they'd have written it into the Constitution, but instead what they wrote into the Constitution is that the House can govern itself based on uh, its uh, its rules and criminal law. So at the end of the day, uh, as I said, there's no prosecutor that can enforce the rules of the House. He violated those rules. That's just not, not cordialities. I mean, it, there's process and procedure that, that, that we are required to, uh, to adhere to, uh, and then, of course, criminal law. Uh, and uh, frankly, I think any other member uh, in history uh, would have simply resigned. Uh, he uh, he chose not to. Uh, we chose to establish a new precedent, which is uh, that uh, uh, that under criminal uh, prosecution uh, uh, and uh, adhering ultimately to uh, to a standard of conduct uh, is something that we expect here. Uh, and I um, you know I I would say a, a criminal uh, would uh, argue that the only time uh, he or she should be held accountable is after uh, after being found guilty of of a crime. Uh, we chose to hold them accountable. Uh, for both the, the the massive fraud and criminal activity that uh, that he con that he conducted after and, after and, and expelled after being expelled, uh, among other things, Mr. Santos uh, took some glee at at trying to lob accusations at at some of his uh, former colleagues about some of their own conduct. Uh, what do you make of that? As far as uh, and and certainly to be sure, um, out of uh, more than four hundred members of Congress, there there certainly are more than a few whose uh, conduct has been called into question in recent years. Yeah, no doubt. And again, uh, when the bipartisan ethics committee conducts its work uh, and provides a conclusive due process uh, for for members with a, with a finding of of, of guilt. Uh, then the House can can judge those individuals appropriately. Uh, we've judged uh, Mr. Santos, and uh, quite frankly, uh, his uh, you know ongoing uh, protests 
um, you know, are, are not all that important to the people I represent or, or me. Um, and, and ultimately, as I said, I, I think anyone facing the, the massive uh, criminal uh, prosecution that, that he is uh, would be more focused on that uh, than playing uh, silly games on, on Twitter or, or X. And, and I mean that. He's a former member of Congress. Uh, um, he should probably focus on his criminal prosecution and defense. Uh, what I'm focused on, of course, uh, is and are the issues facing upstate New York. And frankly, um, he uh, was uh, uh, keeping us from, from addressing a lot of the challenges they face, face the country. Uh, and uh, at this point, uh, we intend, I intend, uh, to return, as I have, to, to focusing on the issues that face upstate New Yorkers, like uh, cost of living. By the way, I heard, of course, you talking about like uh, the, the closure of, of post offices, like uh, crime and public safety, creating job opportunities. And, and those are the things that, uh, uh, that frankly, the, the people that, that I represent are listening now expect that we, we focus on. 1117, we're speaking live with Congressman Mark Molinaro. I'm Bob Joseph in Binghamton. Congressman is in D.C. You have, uh, finally, uh, a person who is serving as the Speaker of the House. I guess he's uh, enjoying his job now after uh, nearly a month and a half. How, how do things seem to be going under the leadership of Mike Johnson? Well, I think um, you know, Speaker Johnson's commitment was members like me and districts like mine uh, are at the table and our voices are being heard. And, and by the way, you've seen that. Uh, we've moved... Uh, about 90% of the federal budget, uh, meaning we've considered those uh, individual bills, adopted them, uh, and uh, we're beginning negotiations uh, with the Senate. By the way, uh, based on the Fiscal Responsibility Act, the debt ceiling agreement that, that I participated in, in negotiating uh, that uh, allowed us uh, certainly to continue governing uh, responsibly, avoid uh, a government shutdown and an economic crisis. Uh, and so within that construct, we're taking responsibility for uh, reigning in federal spending responsibly, uh, focusing more uh, more effectively on the delivery of, of services. Uh, at the same time, we're putting a real focus on border security and, and public safety. And so uh, we're 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 plugging along. It's uh, as I said to people, the uh, the eight Republicans and and every Democrat who who participated in the ouster of Speaker McCarthy. Uh, I think we're wrong. It was a mistake that, uh, quite frankly, was uh, uh, not necessary and something that we shouldn't repeat. Uh, we now uh, so so we now move forward uh, uh, in 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 an effective way. I think uh, we're we're focused on uh, trying to move uh, move public policy. You know, I'm participating in the in the negotiations of the uh, of the national defense uh, reauthorization, and uh, that too will will come to the floor soon in a bipartisan way. Uh, we've extended the farm bill because we've had to, but the same same respect, uh, looking at uh, uh, at improving agriculture policy in the country, protecting. Us, uh, by the way, from from Chinese and Chinese-related companies from purchasing farmland, enhancing uh, support for dairy farmers and uh, specialty crops like uh, like the fruits and vegetables, apples, and, and others that that, that uh, make up upstate New York. Uh, and uh, I just would say, um, you know, uh, we're uh, we recognize. I certainly recognize that we've got to deliver, and uh, and that uh, for us uh, means we've got to work harder and longer to uh, to to get the job done. Speaker Johnson was the headliner at uh, a fundraising event on Sunday in New York City for the state Republicans. Uh, for the uh, Republican delegation, yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, tell me a bit about that. I understand that was uh, a substantial amount of money raised for uh, Grow the Majority New York. Yeah, well, the speaker understands, as does uh, Lisa Stefanik and 
uh, those of us throughout uh, throughout New York, we, we want a balanced approach to, to governing here, not only in the country, but but in New York State. Remember, you know, we, we live in a state where, where one party does have uh, overwhelming majorities in the state assembly and the state senate. Of course, the governor being a Democrat and uh, you know, I'll work with anybody and, and certainly reach across the aisle uh, as, as often as possible and, and, and have a record of doing it. At the same time, we need balanced government in New York. And so the commitment to, to continue to uh, uh, to ensure uh, that voters uh, throughout uh, New York, in particular upstate, uh, have, uh, have, uh, have have the right voices and, 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 and strong representatives is something the speaker is committed to. Uh, but, um, you know, fundraisers are fundraisers. They're, they're truly not the... Uh, not the most exciting thing uh, that uh, I participate in. Uh, I was out in the district uh, last week, uh, you know, out in Sullivan County. We hosted a uh, roundtable on mental health services and expanding uh, access to stabilization centers. I've been working with Jason Garner and, and others to try to direct uh, funding uh, for Veterans Services uh, Center uh, in, in the Binghamton region. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, to make that my focus, uh, you know. Uh, uh, delivering for, for the folks who live uh, in the 19th, the 11 counties in the 19th district. I think Speaker Mike Johnson is going to wind up coming to uh, your district at some point in the near future, or do you think that's not in the cards? Uh, obviously, it's a big country, and there are a lot of places where uh, people will want him to visit. Is, is it your intention to in, invite him into the 19th district? I suspect he'll visit the 19th district at some point. Uh, not, not, not entirely my priority at the moment. Um, right now, uh, as I said, uh, we're trying to move, uh, uh, obviously, resources and support uh, for, for the issues facing uh, the farmers, the small businesses, the families of upstate. Uh, but, uh, but I suspect he'll, he'll come for a visit, and I certainly would welcome it. Now, he still seems to be an election denier. He still doesn't seem to go along with the results of the 2020 presidential election, where uh, the Republican candidate lost to the Democratic candidate. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think you've characterized him in a way that uh, that I wouldn't. I, I would just say that, that Joe Biden won the election, and, and we're living with uh, record inflation, high, high cost of living, and, and and a wide open border that threatens not only national uh, but community safety. So, so those are the things that <laughs> we're focused on. And certainly, I uh, as I said to plenty of people, uh, he and I just as uh, Kevin McCarthy and I just as uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries and I aren't going to agree on all things. In fact, we may not agree on many things. Uh, the, the job, however, is to make sure that uh, the voters I represent have a seat at the table and their voices are heard. And and with that, uh, you know, we you know we are being effective. And frankly, um, you know, we're, we're leveraging uh, the the weight of, of upstate New York. It's one of the reasons we didn't move forward uh, with the the agriculture appropriations bill. It cut too deep uh, for farming and farmers. It threatened. Uh, access to birth control, it, uh, I think, is entire, entirely unnecessary and inappropriate in the Farm Bill. Uh, and so I held it up. Uh, it's why, uh, as I said, uh, we're, we're trying to en enhance and improve the Farm Bill uh, for upstate farmers and uh, and focus on mental health, substance use uh, disorder, and other, other issues facing the people I represent. What's going to happen in January? Are we going to face another prospect of a federal government shutdown? It seems that we're, we're lurching from one threatened shutdown to the next, always uh, essentially kicking the can down the road. And I'm guessing a lot of Americans, probably including members of Congress, are, are getting tired of this happening over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's, there's no reason, uh, although we have two houses of Congress, the, the House of Representatives has approved 90 percent of the budget and uh, we need the Senate to negotiate. Uh, and frankly, uh, they've not uh, been all that uh, aggressive in doing so. And so, you know, both both houses and the president need to come to agreement 
Uh, we're prepared to do that. Uh, I certainly have been pushing for a more reasonable, a more reasonable approach to to reining in federal spending, uh, confronting national debt, and and being more efficient in the delivery of services, while at the same time uh, ensuring that uh, that upstate New York uh, gets the uh, uh, gets the representation that that it deserves. Uh, but again, y- you need the Senate to to engage. Uh, I believe that we are now moving more aggressively in that way. Uh, as I said, uh, we've uh, both houses have agreed to work from the Fiscal Responsibility Act, the debt ceiling agreement framework, which is important, uh, and uh, we're hopeful uh, and uh, earnestly working uh, to to get to final agreement. And um, you know, as I said, I, 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 we, we need both houses, the Congress, to do it. Uh, and uh, the next time Senator Schumer or Senator Gillibrand are on with you, I, I suspect you might ask them the same question. But uh, I'll continue to actively uh, work with uh, them uh, in order to uh, uh, in order to make sure that uh, we're doing what's best for the people of uh, of upstate New York. Congressman Mark Molinaro, thank you very much for being with us. I look forward to speaking with you um, in the coming weeks. It's going to be a busy year ahead. Oh, it always is. Well, uh, my very best to you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you so much. Congressman Mark Molinaro from Washington, D.C., live on WNBF. It's Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening to Binghamton Now. Every morning is interesting. And we encourage you to call. By the way, if you're an elected official and haven't been on the program lately, there's one way that you can rectify that. Just send a note to bob at wnbf.com and we'll put you on the schedule. This program is open pretty much to everybody, including listeners at 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. Action Man. Wasn't that Jim Matthews? 1129 WNBF live to the west side. Ron, you're on the air. Hey, Bob. I listened to Mark Molinaro. I reminded me of a a good boxer who can, you know, uh, you throw a punch at him or jab and he avoids it. You know how he deftly avoided uh, responding to what you really wanted to know about the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who is a Trump enabler, a hoax perpetrator. And uh, when you ask him about that, uh, Mark Molinaro simply says, inflation and Biden's not doing a good job. Wow. I mean, he is good. I mean, these politicians are good in answering the question they want to answer, not the question asked. Anyway, 
Uh, I wanted to to mention a couple of things today. Uh, somehow I'm I'm uh, kind of uh, energized up about uh, the country and the Republican Party. I I've been a registered Republican for all of my voting life. Uh, first time I voted for a presidential candidate was in 1968. Uh, but uh, now I am I am. Ashamed. Well, I don't call myself a Republican anymore because I'd be ashamed to call myself a Republican. The Republican Party has abandoned the Constitution for a cult led by an egomaniacal con man. That's the way I see it. My many years of viewing politics tells me that from my head, from my heart, and from my soul. Now, today a book was released. And I think it's a book people should read. Of course, the folks who only go to Brett Bart and Fox and for their news and uh, who just look for <clears throat> something to reinforce their opinion, uh, right-wing opinion, they're not going to read it. But it's Liz Cheney's book, Oath and Honor. And uh, in that book, she details uh, January 6th and what's happened to the Republican Party. And the um, what she has to what has had to endure from Republicans, you know, she's a conservative Republican from Wyoming, and she's been pilloried because she does not go along with the con man. And uh, you know, Bob, to be taken in by a con man, you have to be simple-minded. You know, you have to be a person who feels there are simplistic answers to very complex problems. Or maybe you're just trusting. Maybe you grew up in a home where trust was was taught and you trust everyone no matter how unusual that person is or how shocking the uh, statements and behavior is. Maybe it's just a matter of trust that some of us don't have. Well, Bob, if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck, and water rolls off its back, chances are it's a duck. And we know the duck that was president uh, for four years who wants to come back on a white horse knocking down the Constitution. Uh, and, you know, along with that, Bob, as you touch on this a lot on the program, uh, the, the and I'm not going to say the downfall of this country because I, I'm not saying this country is going down, but... The potential downfall of this country is, is going to be abetted by the virtual eradication of the fourth estate. We do not have a press. As you know, uh, it's, it's been uh, eviscerated. Uh, we don't have reporters. We do have some, um, some papers which are still out there that are relatively strong. But I watched a movie uh, last week, which I've seen many times, uh, All the President's Men. Uh, All the President's Men was about Woodward and Bernstein and getting to the facts and reporting them in the Washington Post uh, about Watergate and Nixon. They were brave. They were under duress, but they went ahead. Uh, Bill Bradley, the publisher of the Washington Post, uh, was courageous in getting out that story. Bob, that doesn't exist anymore. Who will stand up? Well, you don't you don't think Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post now, would stand up for his journalists if they were on to a story similar to Watergate? 
Uh, Jeff Bezos would if he thought it would increase uh, sales of uh, Amazon products. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So he might, in other words, if he well, could figure out, because it might say if they're, and in, in heaven forbid that another president get engaged in that sort of uh, sloppy scenario that we all know fondly as Watergate. We hope that never happens again. But say it did, hypothetically, and uh, a president was on the ropes and on the verge of being impeached and then ultimately, as we saw in 1974, having to leave in disgrace. Yeah, my guess is Jeff Bezos, who really picked up the Washington Post at a fire sale price. I think he paid $250 million for uh, a great, even then it was a great newspaper. I, it's still a great newspaper. It's not not as strong as, say, it was during the Watergate era. Yeah, I do think there's a chance Bezos would support his editors and his journalists on a story like that with the condition if it helps business. If, if Amazon could sell lots of... Uh, trinkets, you know, impeachment or resignation type trinkets. If he did the calculation and thought, eh, actually, we could probably sell uh, $50 million to $100 million worth of that junk. Um, so that would improve our, our performance for uh, first quarter of 2024 or whatever. He'd probably say, yeah, you guys can continue on the story. On the other hand, if he ran the numbers and thought it was going to hurt his uh, Amazon revenue picture, he'd probably say, all right, shut it down. And then the, the Woodward and Bernstein of 2024, I'd be like, wait, we're on the verge. We've been working the story now for two and a half months. We're on the verge of getting a big breakthrough and locking down, putting all the pieces together, connecting all the dots. And we're ready to go Sunday with a story, a package that will knock the socks off uh, this whole scandal. And Bezos would say, yeah, well, it's going to cost Amazon too much revenue, so pull the plug, and we're not going to have any more stories like that in my newspaper anymore. I think that's, unfortunately, I think that's the type of guy Bezos is, and he certainly is free to call in to defend himself, but that's my impression. Well, Bob, you know, we had, uh, way before our time, really, William Randolph Hearst. And William Randolph, uh, Randolph Hearst, uh, you're kind of the picture you're painting or the motives you're alluding to about Bezos would be similar to William Randolph Hearst. Uh, William Randolph Hearst, uh, Spanish-American War, said to his reporters, uh, you get me the pictures, I'll give you the war. I'll produce the war. Uh, there are people who have power and money like Bezos. But these aren't the people we're going to turn to, essentially, to, uh, to get our country on, uh, on, on a steady course. And that steady course will not, will not take place if we have someone who attempts to unravel the basic structure of our Constitution. And uh, as you call him, the former guy. If, if, that's, uh, if that's going to happen... Someone who says let's uh, uh, let's do away with certain generals and uh, let's uh, let's uh, forget about this part of the Constitution. This this is a, a Juan Perón, you know. This is Argentina. Oh, do you, do you think do you think that former guy would be so audacious if if indeed he became the future guy? Would do you think he'd be more out of control in a second term than he was in his first? 
there is nothing that he would not do to keep himself the king of the hill as he sees it. Uh, and, and any of you people out there who are unable, continually unable to see that because you only listen to uh, WNBF from 6 to, to 9, and uh, if you uh, only go to Fox and Brett Bart because everyone else has fake news, well, then you're not going to see it. Those people are not going to see it. Uh, they will read Liz Cheney's book, Oath and Honor, that just came out. I intend to read it. And uh, it, the, the, the truth can come out unless people do not want to know the truth. And, and, you know, it comes down to little things, too, like, I, I don't want to put it all in a capsule, but you, you asked Mark Molinaro something very important about Mike Johnson, the speaker who's a Trump enabler and a hoax believer uh, and an election denier. You asked him a question and he wouldn't answer it because people in power in, in the Congress or the Senate, the people who are in there, the incumbents want to remain there. And their calculations are based upon who will vote for them. Like what's her name now? Uh, Claudia Tenney up there. Oh, I was waiting. I was waiting for you to bring up Claudia Tenney. And My and dad. she, she. well, I can't say that. Anyway, well, I, I'm glad you brought it up. We'll have to uh, invite Claudia Tenney back to the party at some point. Now, now that she no longer represents the district, I guess she continues to focus primarily on the Fox Cable Channel. But just for old time's sake, have her back on the program and relive those halcyon days when things were simpler. <laughs> Bob Joseph, hey, you know, if you can't laugh, what can you do? 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. program for real Americans. This is Bob Joseph serving America from a studio in upstate New York with one microphone and one telephone. Showing a Wego. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Thank you very much. I have a request of your previous caller. He was very adamant about who not to listen to where does he suggest that we, the interested public, get legitimate information? I would really appreciate it. And just out of curiosity, how does he rank Glenn Beck? Okay, that's a good uh, that's a good question. We'll see if Ron calls in with a response. Thank you, Joe. Dave from Vestal, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning there, Bob. Hey, you know... It's funny Ron called in with that topic uh, because I was watching uh, maybe your favorite show. I don't know, but uh, MSNBC Morning Joe, Bob, I, I, every once in a while, because you know where I stand, I've got to turn and i got to watch that show because sometimes I need a laugh. They take the place of the Three Stooges sometimes. So 
Today I watched them, Bob, and I, it was so enjoyable to watch the angst, to watch the panicking, to watch. They're so scared to death. If Trump wins, Bob, if he comes back, I can't believe they had David Fromm on there, Bob. You got to look at what he was saying, that it, our country's going down. Uh, they won't. Military will not listen to Trump. The bedroom in the streets, he goes, there'll be no more. There won't be a country. Can you believe? And it sounds to me like Ron was watching that this morning. He's become part of that. Ron, you want to turn in your Republican card? We won't miss you, pal. All right. Bedlam in the streets. I think I remember that song. Bedlam in the streets. <laughs> Even in the summer. It's 1145, Bob Joseph Live, Tuesday morning with WNBF. WNBF Wild Radio. Is it really? Vinny from Binghamton. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, just my type of topic. So I, I, I love it. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I got to say something about Ron. You know, hey, Ron, I, <clears throat> one thing about you, you you've been very con consistent over the course of these months and ever since I've heard you call in. And I just got to say, one thing I love about it is at least you have, as a conservative, you've got the guts. And I mean this. You've got the guts to call in and tell that you were a Republican, but not for this guy now. And that's what we need in this country. People to step up. Hey, you know what? This is wrong. I've said it before. I don't know what in God's name is happening to the Republican Party. And Ron's one of the, I agree. And this is how I think I should do. Now, as far as our Congressman Molinaro. You know, it was so funny. You were asked this a long time ago about DeSantis. And at that time, you said, well, you know, let's just let the law and everything take its course. And now you act like some warden. Oh, this guy is bad. Oh, he should be going to San Quentin. He broke this. He broke this. And then bipartisan, which he said about 7,000 times, about bipartisan, you know, we find why did it take you guys a freaking year to get this out? Now DeSantis is coming after you guys and is going to try to expose some of the fraud, some of the liars, and some of the what's rotten, what's going on in the Republican Party. I can't wait to hear that, along with Liz Cheney. But hearing him talk is just like Trump. This is why we need debates, Bob, because once you get on that stage, you can't take off. And there's rebuttal, and there's someone attacking you. We can't expect you to do it. This is a debate. This is where debates come in. They can go after this person. And I can't wait. I am drooling. I can't wait till Joe Biden gets Donald Trump on stage. And I hope he goes. But the after thing is, because, yeah, I don't see I don't see the two of them debating next year. 
One or no, the I other, just... one or the other, or both, will come up with some lame excuse about why they refuse to debate. That's that's my no. concern. Now maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that's going to happen. Because look at what Trump is doing now. He won't even dignify the other Republican candidates. I mean, show some respect with the other people who are seeking the nomination, especially now that the field is, has started to be um, winnowed down. Get on the debate stage. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to be who you are. Hey, show other Republicans and show America who you are against the the finalist for the nomination. We're getting very close to when America will start voting. So continually ducking debates, it's a bad look for him. And sadly, sadly, Vinny, I mm -hmm. sense that if Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee, as some people mm -hmm. think he'll be, I think he'll duck debates too. I, I think the American people, if it's another match between Biden and Trump for next November, I think we're not going to see debates between those two major party candidates. I'm afraid that's the truth. Well, I think what, what should happen is that you just talk about it. I would, I would talk about it. I said, this guy is afraid. Well, you they're both afraid. Over now, not, yeah. not, necessar no, not necessarily Biden. His handlers are afraid. And mm -hmm. Trump, Trump is afraid and his handlers are afraid. So I, I think Biden has the courage to debate, but my concern is his handlers, I know, I don't know them personally, but I know the type, uh -huh. they're trying to micromanage every aspect of his campaign. And look, they're afraid that he might make a gaffe and do just one single momentary slip in a live debate, and they're afraid that would cost him the election. And that's why no, I, I don't think, well, his handlers, now he, he certainly has his uh -huh. own man, and a person with great courage, he may override his handlers, but I, I'm afraid if, if those two guys are the nominees, I sense we're not going to see a debate. Lordy, I hope we see a debate. Regardless of who the candidates are, I say the Republican and Democratic candidates for president next year had better agree to participate in at least two live debates, at least 90 minutes long, preferably two hours long. At least two on live TV, and one of them hosted by SUNY Broom Community College in the town of Dickinson. Dave from Vestal, you're on the air. Oh, man. I'm not... Oh, I'm sorry, DJ. <laughs> sorry. DJ. Oh, yeah, sorry, DJ. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. I'd... Listen, when are we going to see the light? If you don't back a Republican president, you're not a Republican, you're a rhino. When Chris Christie called him a duck, Rhino, don't, don't make fun of Chris Christie. Rhino, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm telling you the truth. I tell the truth because I have to and I want to. And you're right. Biden would fall asleep or he'll fall or something. And exactly. But the same could happen with Trump. I mean, look, Anyone? the same could happen to me. It could happen to anybody on a debate stage. I mean, that, that is the risk fall, in a live TV debate. Heck. It, it could happen even to a moderator. They could do something on live TV. I mean, that's the risk, but it's worth the risk. That's why you know if, if, it's, do, if it's Trump versus Biden, they both had better agree to at least two live debates, both of them. You don't debate ignorance. Anyone who would call a Republican president a duck is a rhino, Republican in name only. 
You don't debate ignorance. He's smart for not debating because it's ignorant. They don't have No, a he's not smart for not debating. N-O. N-O. It makes him look like he's afraid. I'm not saying he's afraid. It makes him look like he's scared of something. No, it makes him look like he's confident that he's ahead 40 points. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's confident. He just doesn't want to put his so-called lead at risk. That shows you he doesn't have enough confidence to go on the stage with the other Republican candidates and make the case why he should be the nominee for 2024. The same in boxing. You don't have to box everybody who wants to box you. If it's not good for but you, But DJ, you this it. isn't boxing. This is the presidency of the USA. It's the same principle. No. If you don't want to pick somebody up in your Uber, you don't have to pick them up. It's the same principle. The He's president smart. of the United States had ought to debate his or her chief competitors. That's what it's about. If you want the job, if you want to be the most powerful person on the planet, then you show the courage that you will go up against all of your main competitors, whether it's in the primaries or for the general election. That's how I view it. It's all the time we have for today, but don't worry. I'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 to noon for another exciting episode of Bingham to Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town